Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 136 of the Northern Miner podcast. I'm your host, John Cumming, the editor-in-chief of the Northern Miner. Now, this episode is a bit of a throwback. We have an encore performance here with I Am Gold CEO Steve Letwin. I thought this was quite a profound and timeless speech. This was at the uh, Progressive Mind Forum back in September 2017. And there are a couple of reasons why I wanted to pull this one out and highlight it again. First, uh, it was kind of buried in our earlier podcast. And we've grown so much. We have so many new listeners. I'd uh, really like for our newer listeners to hear this one. Secondly, Steve Letwin is one of our featured speakers at our upcoming Canadian Mining Symposium. We'll be holding that at Canada House in London in uh, late May. And some of the other featured speakers will be Barrett Gold's Mark Bristow, Yamana's Peter Maroney, Franco Nevada and the World Gold Council's David Harquail, and Lucara Diamond's Ira Thomas. So all-star lineup. It's going to be very interesting. And again, just like last year, we will be... Um, pulling as much podcast material out of that as we can and uh, presenting it to you folks uh, in the months ahead. This podcast is sponsored by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Check out their website at yukonminingalliance.ca and you can follow their Twitter feed at at investyukon, all one word. We'll take a little musical break and come back with our promoted content, Mining Minute. And now let's have our promoted content mining minute segment. This is with Max Sally. He's the CEO of newly listed Barian Mining. They're on the TSX Venture Exchange with the ticker BARI. I see their market cap is around seven million as I record this. And he will talk about his firm's gold assets in Nevada, especially the Bolo project. You can visit their website barianmining.com for more information. So let's hear from Max. You know, the great thing about Bolo is it's very accessible. It's just off a, a major highway. There is a landowner on the property that lives there. He has a, well, you could say a ranch. So there is a place for the workers to stay, uh, which saves us a bunch of money instead of having people, you know, go back and forth an hour plus each day both ways uh, to stay at a hotel locally. So there is good infrastructure in place there. We do have the water rights and we are permitted for the drill program. So it's a very kind of easy property for us to go and, and, and drill uh, around some of the, the recent high-grade holes. We have an earned agreement with Allegiant Gold. Uh, essentially, the total package we have to pay is an $8 million spend over six years, $4 million to earn control, and $4 million to earn the additional 25%. The nice thing about Bolo is there was no cash payments. It's, it's just an exploration spend and shares. So we both benefit if Bolo does well. We'll take a little musical break and then return with Steve Letwin, the CEO of I Am Gold. And I found this a fascinating speech where he very bluntly talks about the kind of hubris that can settle into the C-suite. So we'll return with Steve Letwin.
got 20 minutes, and so what I, what I wanted to do is take you through a little bit of my history and hopefully share a little bit of my experiences, particularly as they tie into innovation. I'm 62 years old. I was born in southern Ontario, raised on a farm, went to school here in Ontario. I spent the first couple of years with Procter & Gamble here in Toronto. And then uh, at the tender age of uh, 26, I got headhunted to Calgary, Alberta. And I went to work for a fellow that 95% of you won't know, maybe some of you do or remember. He was sort of the Elon Musk of uh, the oil days. His name was Jack Gallagher. So at 26, I went to work for Jack Gallagher, who was building at that time Canada and, in fact, North America's largest oil and gas business. And unfortunately, Jack lost his job, lost his company within three years of uh, me getting there. Not, not that I was tied to that, hopefully. But Jack, had, Jack made the mistake that many of us tend to make and continue to make around debt and innovation. And I'm, I'm going to tie those two things together a little bit. So Jack went out when oil was around $25 and started acquiring properties and started to invest in what I call long cycle rates of return, big projects. He was in the Beaufort. He acquired uh, Hudson's Bay Oil and Gas. And because he had fallen in love with his own equity, he did it with debt. Sound familiar? And keep in mind, Jack was a superhuman being. If he was here today, we'd all love the guy. Very charismatic, very smart, but he makes the mistake and made the mistake that many of us do, and I made this mistake, so I'm gonna refer back to it, of falling in love with your own equity and not keeping an eye on what's going on in innovation. So as Jack piled into long cycle rates of return projects, people started to change drilling programs in Western Canada, go for shallower wells, get shorter cycle economics, and when oil prices fell from $25 to $9, and interest rates went from 5% to 21%, that company died. And along with it, the dream that Jack had for Canada's oil and gas exploration program at the time. The lesson there is you can never forget about basic economics, you can never forget about your cost structure, and you can never ever forget about what innovation and the change in technology can do to your business. It is happening today, it happened 100 years ago, it's gonna continue every day, every month, every year, forever. And as human beings, it's easy to forget that because you get on a roll. You get convinced by the marketplace, by your share price, that this will never change. I'm telling you because I went through it. And I'll come back to that in a minute. So that was my first experience at 26 years of age. And I have not forgotten that. I've never forgotten Jack sitting in the boardroom crying uncontrollably at the age of 65 because he lost his company. I went from there into the upstream oil and gas business in Calgary 
And I watched something very interesting. In the mid-80s to mid-90s, the belief was there would be never another pipeline built in Canada, another oil pipeline. There was too much oil, oil was trading around $10, and this would never happen again. And what happened at that point in time is that companies like Enron, people remember Enron? When people started a new model, and this model was we trade electricity, we trade oil and gas, we do everything online, we're the smartest guys in the world, and even though we are running our debt up, and even though we're trading at 100 times multiple, that's okay. Enron lasted for almost 10 years. And when I was living in Houston, Texas, working for TransCanada, I got to know the CEO of Enron and the chairman. Hell of a nice guy. Same experience. Selling something that was not sustainable, selling something that didn't have any hard assets behind it, and ran debt up unbelievably until he had a liquidity problem in 2001, and 30,000 people lost their jobs. One of the major chartered financial institutions, Arthur Anderson, went under. Sound familiar? Again, too much emphasis on debt, too much emphasis on something that wasn't backed up by hard assets. So when I look between Dome and Enron, I look at common things. Balance sheet, the fact that Dome forgot about the fact a little guy could come in and disrupt what they were doing on long cycle. Enron that went the other way, put everything into something which what I would call was fairly non-transparent, magical, and something the market wanted to grab a hold of because they were sick and tired of hearing about oil and gas and pipelines. So as I moved through my career and I looked at these things, one would think that when I joined the gold business in 2010, I'd gone to Harvard, I'd had all these experiences that I would know exactly what I was doing. Uh, clearly, I did not. Because when I got into the gold business in 2010, what was happening? Gold was going from $800 to $2,000. The industry itself had gone completely into long cycle. Big mines, remote places, high cost structure. What did Steve Latwin do? He should have at that time said, wow, our cost structure is too high. We're completely betting on long cycle. We're not doing anything in innovation. We should be improving our metrics and changing the model right now. I didn't do any of that. I came to Toronto. The stock price went from $3 to $23.50, and I felt like Mick Jagger. going to restaurants, hey, right? Go to market, to analyst meetings, and they would say, 
they wouldn't ask one question about our cost structure. It was all about ounces, 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 ounces. Tell me how many ounces you're going to add. Not one question about your technology, not one question about where you were drilling, not one question about where you're taking the company long cycle, short cycle. It was all around how many ounces are you going to be able to deliver? The ghost of Jack Gallagher should have been in the room with me saying, Steve, it's time you change because what these guys are driving you to is exactly what they drove me to. Failure. And that's exactly where I was headed. And a year and a half later, when gold turned in 2012 and dropped from $1,960 to $1,057 in 18 months, we lost $800 million a year in cash flow. Horrifying experience. And we almost or could have lost the company. A couple of things saved us. I woke up, slapped myself across the face and said, what the hell are you doing? We sold some assets, we kept the balance sheet strong, we reduced our debt, and brought people like Tony here, 33-year-old guy with lots of good ideas around innovation technology into the company. We changed the whole company from being focused on long cycle to a short cycle balance, which brought cash flow in sooner, brought our cost structure down, and at the same time, improved our balance sheet. Surprise, surprise, the stock, which had fallen to $1.50, and you had analysts and you had people who had purchased the stock. I would go to the Denver Gold Show, and people who had purchased Dime Gold shares would walk by and look at the ground. Not me, look at the ground. They didn't want to look at me. Loser. You lost money. The worst thing you can do in life is lose somebody's money. They are unforgiving. Unforgiving. Remember that. So we changed. The stock now is sitting 750-ish Canadian. It's up 600% since then. It's up 70%, 60% this year. Let's not forget the lessons that we learned. Short cycle balance with long cycle balance, not too much debt. Do not bet the farm on long cycle. And always look at innovative ways to change your cost structure. Always. Every day, every morning when you get up, think about it. And for that reason, I would tell you that I think the gold business has a great future. Because like the oil business in the 90s, when all investments stopped, nobody thought oil was going anywhere. It was at $9 a barrel. <clears throat> nobody was willing to make a bet. And because of that, we got short of oil. We had a situation where not enough exploration was done.
The gold business, the metals business is in the same situation today. And as sure as I'm sitting here, you're going to see a response in price because of the lack of exploration that's been done in this mining field. I was down in Mexico City. I had 23 guys sitting in a room at the St. Regis Hotel, sons of multi-billionaires in Mexico. Collectively, these 40-year-olds were worth $245 billion. Not one of them owns a gold stock. That should sound depressing. It actually wasn't. I thought, here's an indication of where people are putting their money. Tesla, cryptocurrencies, everything related to technology that's exciting. I think you're going to see a turn. And we need to be ready for the turn. Let's continue to innovate. Let's continue to bring our cost structure down, whether that's ore sorting technology, x-ray technology, thinking about short cycle versus long cycle. Let's keep, keep doing what we're doing. And when this turns, and it will turn, we will get the benefits of that. And then when it does turn, let's not be crazy again. Let's keep the discipline. There are companies that have done that. There are very few, but they are out there. How much do you think gold is up since 2002? 360%. Gold has moved on average 11% every year for 16 years. How many companies have actually seen their market cap improve? Out of 200, five. Do you think there's a confidence issue? Yes, and it's around cost structure and innovation. I'm so glad we're doing this conference. It's a reminder that innovation is absolutely critical to efficiency, staying ahead of the game, and making sure, most importantly, that your shareholders are getting the best value for their money. Because without it, you will not stay ahead of the game. And these cryptocurrencies, which I cannot explain. Tony's tried, and I'm thick here. I have no idea why Bitcoin is at $195 billion. I wish I would have invested. But I've made it a point when I don't understand something not to invest in it. I've seen that. We saw the dot-com, right, in the late 90s. Tony's trying to link things to cryptos now, God bless them, and I hope we can do that if it means something, if it's real. But right now my concern is cost structure, balance sheet, innovation, bringing costs down so that we last for the long time. So when four out of ten Canadians are $200 away from not being able to make their next credit card payment, I get a little concerned about debt and I get a little bit concerned about where we're putting our money. And I would tell you in the, from the mining space, my perspective, putting money into mining right now, I think is a good bet because we've had such a long dry spell of exploration. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to my talk.
That does it for this episode of the Northern Miner Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. And thank you to our sponsors, the Yukon Mining Alliance and our Mining Minute sponsor, Barian Mining. You can help out the podcast by liking it, sharing it, commenting on it, uh, subscribing to it. All those things help raise the visibility of the podcast. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.